Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man who has seen enough dinosaur movies to be able to tell the real ones from the fake ones. It's Dale. What's happening, man? <laughs> man, you're so crazy. I guess I am a Jurassic fart. <laughs> yeah. Old as Jurassic. You, you bet Jurassic is. <laughs> ah. <laughs> been a couple weeks since we've been in the crack house i've had some personal things going on and dale's been doing some things so we're back recording again getting this crime fix going that's right we got the band back together we're ready to rock uh taking a tour on the crack house that's mm-hmm. for sure dale what we got going on today is there anything you want to get into before we get started on this episode no no not really i'm just glad to be back we've had a few issues or each of them going on and uh Got all that settled out and ironed down and ready to go, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, sometimes life gets in the way, man. I'm telling you. Golly. Some things we put up with. <laughs> Better an alternative, I guess. Yeah, that's true. All right, Dale, this episode this week is on a guy named Aldolfo Bresciano. Bresciano. That is his born given name. But he's better known as Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo, Italian-born Canadian wrestler. Actually yep. born in uh, Campo Basso, Italy. Campo Basso. On August 6, 1948. I've researched Dino quite a bit, and some of his early life, there's not much out there on him. No. no. I mean, there's not. And, and the, really, the only thing that we could find was where it got into his wrestling career, how he got started and where he got started. Right. Dino began wrestling in 1970, taking his name Dino Bravo from a wrestler from the early 1960s who had teamed with Dominic DiNucci as the Bravo brothers, Dino and Dominic. Right. So I, I guess he took Dino's name and then their their ring name Bravo. Right. And that's where he got <clears throat> his, his ring name from. He was trained by Gino Brito, and they often work in a tag team uh, with his mentor built as Brito's cousin. Right. And a side note about Danucci, he later on, years later, would become a superstar trainer, basically training Shane Douglas and the hardcore legend Mick Foley. Hmm. Just in case you didn't know that. I didn't know that either. You're the you're the wrestling guru. Wrestling dude. The wrestling dude. <laughs> All right. Bravo held the Jim Crockett Promotions version of the NWA World Tag Team Championship with Woods, winning the title from Gene and Ole Anderson. Yeah, he was teamed up with uh, Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods, and uh, they would take it from uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Now, by the late 70s, Bravo had become big enough draw to get a singles push into Montreal territory. And we're talking Montreal, Canada. Uh, in December of 78, he defeated Gene Konitsky in Toronto to win the new Canadian heavyweight title as recognized in that Montreal area. That's right. All right. Other titles he would hold would include uh, the WWF World Tag Team titles with his <clears throat> with his partner Dominic DiNucci beating out Professor Toro Tanaka and Mr. Fuji. They would hold these titles for about three months before dropping them to the Yukon Lumberjacks with manager Lou Albano. All right. Now, by the early 1980s, Bravo and King Tonga, later known as Haku, formed a tag team for a brief while, Dale, 
Yep. But never got much of a push. No, and Haku is probably the, the baddest man in wrestling, bar none. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Bravo was scheduled to headline a card against Hulk Hogan in 1986. But guess what, Dale? That match was canceled. Yeah, it was going to be held in Montreal where uh, Dino would be the hometown hero. Yeah, Dino's he was pretty popular there. Very. And they didn't want Hulk Hogan showing up there and getting booed out. No, he would have been booed out of the building. Yeah. Before we started all this, Hulk Hogan was he was hot back then. Oh yeah, very. Yeah, and yeah, that wasn't that wasn't gonna happen. No, Vince didn't want his boy getting booed out of the building, so they canceled that, and it really pissed off Bravo when he found out the reason his match was canceled. Mm-hmm. Enough to uh, where he actually quit the WWF. All right, Dale. After the match with Hogan was canceled, Bravo quit after finding out he quit wrestling. Right. Yeah, he actually quit until 1985, and then. Uh, Bravo returned to the WWF in late 1986 with a new look. He had uh, beefed up, got more muscular, and uh, began bleaching his hair, uh, sort of a brownish blonde. Bravo returned to the singles competition after a few months and began a strongman gimmick. In his days of wrestling, mostly in Canada, Bravo was known more of a technical wrestler. But with his strongman gimmick, and his technical side was pushed into the background and his style changed to using power, which was more of a brawling type yeah, move. Exactly. Punches, kicks, bear hugs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. At the 1988 Royal Rumble, Bravo, who was legitimately strong and said to be able to press more than 500 pounds, attempted to press what he claimed to be 715 pounds, right. which would have been a world record at the time. Now, the commentator and former bodybuilder, Jesse the Body Ventura, helped lift the bar at one point. But Bravo played the lift as a success and began billing himself as the world's strongest man. Right. Now, with this gimmick, Bravo feuded with Don Morocco, Kim Patera, Ron Garvin, and Jim Dugan. Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, kind of a feud there. Yeah, it was like basically all those were strong guys, especially Morocco and Kim Patera, who was actually the world's strongest man at one time. Yeah. Legit. Now, we're going to emphasize right here, wrestling is all that Dino Bravo knew. Now, he, he didn't have much of an education. He And as far as business sense or anything like that, he didn't have none. No. No, he was making money and – Making tons of money. Yeah, a lot of money. But he big, was spending a lot of money. Make big house, big cars, fancy cars, and you know that's what he that's what he had. I mean, he he was living the high life. Oh yeah, that was his gimmick. That's what he loved. Yeah. In the years after this, he just kind of he hooked up with a couple people in some tag teams, and then bounced around some uh, little singles things. But then he wouldn't really have a lot left to, to WWF, and they were going to not re-sign him when his contract came up. Uh, Rick Martell saying that when he heard this, he actually went to Pat Patterson and asked them to uh, let him stay, and they could form their own tag team where he could do all the bumps and, and running around, and uh, Bravo could do all the strongman stuff. But uh, Patterson said that uh, Vince McMahon just didn't have anything for him, and they weren't going to re-sign him. So after 1992, he was out of the WWF for good. Mm. Wow. So when uh, Dino Bravo got out, like like we said earlier, he he didn't have much education. He didn't have much to fall back on. Wrestling was his his world, right? And he had 
a relative by marriage. And his name was... Vic Catroni, Montreal crime boss. Yeah. We're talking mafia stuff here. Now, Dino, you know, he was used to living this lavish lifestyle. Spending money. Big houses, big cars. Well, he had a lot of money coming in, so he was a lot of money was going out. But then when no more money's coming in, then things are going to get tight quick. Yep. So Dino got into the uh, cigarette underworld. Right. Selling so cigarettes. His downfall was or his lowest points when he ended up having to borrow money from his mother. And uh, that really hurt him. And so That hurt his pride. Right. And he always had this option to go to work for Catroni, but he didn't want to do the under the underworld stuff and tried to stay legit he knew how how he was and how his demons were yeah and uh he knew that once he went down that road it'd be no coming back so he didn't really want to do it and then then when he had to borrow his money off his mom it's like he really didn't have any more choices that was pretty much his last resort to keep his his uh, lavish lifestyle is right. that right yeah. yeah he knew he could make some money had heard about the the cigarette cigarette business and the, so that's where he he headed so what they in Canada cigarettes are taxed pretty high is that correct right so it's kind of like New York you know that same mafia gimmick there where they're taxed so high so they started just smuggling them and then uh, they could go around and then sell and make the, the big up upsell charge themselves so what Dino was doing he was selling cigarettes to the local natives the Indians right and they were helping him smuggle in because they had uh, the waterways so it was an easy way for them to smuggle them in, and they really they were all big uh, wrestling fans. So as soon as they thought that they could do business with uh, Dino, they were just pretty much dealing with him only, and he had pretty much control of. Oh, them. they were excited to deal with him. Yeah, yeah, he was popular. Yep, they loved the wrestling. Yeah, so that made him, you know, like a I don't know, like a I don't know what the word are word is, but it's almost like he was a celebrity again. Right. Yeah. Selling, selling cigarettes to the Indians. I guess the cigarette deal wasn't big enough for him. He wasn't making enough money. I don't know. But he got approached to sell cocaine. Yeah, I heard that uh, the cocaine guys had seen how much money he was making and how well he was doing with the cigarette industry. So they approached him. Do they want to be cut in on this deal too? So they were like, well, you cut us in on this and we'll cut you in on the cocaine deals because you know that cocaine is going to move a little little faster and probably going to make a lot more money mm-hmm. off of that. Right. So they wanted in to get with him because, you know, he had pretty much control of everything with the Indian deal. So, And that would be uh, Native Americans, I assume. Yeah. Now, Dino, everything was going good with his operation with cigarettes and the cocaine. Right. And he had a big shipment <clears throat> that was sitting in a warehouse. Yeah, $400,000. Four hundred thousand dollars worth of cocaine. The cocaine sitting that's, in the warehouse. Yep. Man, back then that was a lot. It's a lot of money now, but back then that was a a lot more money. That's a shit ton of money. If you ask yeah, me. that's a lot, a lot of money. And that cocaine sitting in that warehouse for three days. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know that everything, all the details behind that, but uh, that's everything I had, I have read and I've heard that it was sitting in there for three days, waiting on somebody to come pick it up, and then finally when the guy, the cocaine connection went to go get it. They pulled up, and the place was surrounded by cops. Yeah, somebody so, from the inside had information. Yeah. They, they, they were waiting on them. So Dino was blaming them because they let it sit there for three days instead of getting it immediately, and they were blaming him. So uh, it's just some bad stuff going on here, you know, one blaming the other. And, and I guess the mob's looking at it like you crossed us, so, you know, it's, it's not good. So what it come down to, this was 
on Dino. Yeah, and you know Dino didn't have no $400,000. No, I mean, he didn't borrow money from his mom to, right. to keep his I'm sure lifestyle going. Yeah, he had made some money, but I'm sure he was still spending as fast as he's making it. Yeah, so, yeah, all this this was weighing on him. I mean, he was solely responsible for that $400,000. Right. Yeah. So, what happened was, yeah, Dino couldn't pay this $400,000. He couldn't pay this $400,000 bill on, on the cocaine. Right, and all this happened about a... About a week before he was killed, actually. Yeah. So what happened was Dino's wife was taking his daughter, their daughter to ballet class. Right. And he was at home. He was going to watch a hockey game on television. And during that time while they were gone, I've heard, too, that when she left, he was alone. Right. And sometime during that point, somebody came to the house. Apparently. Apparently. Somebody, evidently, somebody he knew. Right. Because of the way the the murder happened. Right. But while they were gone, he was sitting down to watch a hockey game on TV, and Dale, he was ended up being shot 17 times. 17 times. Yeah. And you want to tell us the details about that 17 times? Yeah. And this was on a, a Wednesday, March 10th of 1993. And uh, like you said, he was uh, apparently just watching the hockey game, and they assuming that somebody was there because he was shot in the back of the head. Uh, he was shot 17 times, and depending on which source you listen to, some say seven in the head, some say ten, but we're going to go with seven because that seems to be the... The most I've heard from resources was seven times in the head. Right. So, uh, well, it was one podcast I listened to. They said ten, so I think they just got it backwards. But anyway, he was shot from behind, so they, they knew there was somebody else was there, but nothing was disturbed. There was no... Uh, no damage like a break-in there was no there was had been snowing outside so there was no tracks around the house so that's where they get that they think it was someone he knew and someone was there maybe he excused himself to go to the restroom or whatever but anyway when they came back they shot him 17 times up to seven times in the head and some reports say that actually put a smiley face in the back of his head with the bullets yeah and they knew that this was a surprise hit because he was sitting there watching tv right he had the remote in his hand and if he would have known that he had a gun pulled on him, he would have gripped that hand, that remote a little bit tighter and flexed down on it. Right. So he, it was a surprise yeah, to him. Yeah, they said if you get shot from behind like that and you don't know it's coming, you just it would remain loose. But if it was from the front and you gripped it, that your muscles would lock up and it would still be tight on it mm-hmm. when they found you. But it was just loose in his hand. So. Whoever was, I'm sure they didn't want to come at Dino from the front because, I mean, he was a big guy. He was six foot one, two 265, and jacked to the gills. So he's a super strong guy. You just wouldn't wouldn't want to come at him from the front. So that's why they're thinking it's somebody that he knew, and they were watching TV together, and the guy just got up, and then next thing you know, just feeling full of holes. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want to come from Dino from the front because there was no sign of struggle or anything. No, nothing. Nobody hurt anything, so – they said I think it was a twenty-two or a twenty-two long, but he apparently had a silencer because seventeen times nobody heard a thing. They had some pretty close neighbors too, I think. Yeah, seventeen times. Yeah, good lord. All right. Now, like you said, there was no footprints in the snow. Nobody, nobody leaving or coming to the house. Right. Yeah. So it had to be somebody there. That right. No, Dino knew. No forced entry. No anything. It's just like, like it just happened. Yeah. Well, you know, it cannot be known for sure. But what is certain is that Dino's wife found him later that evening when she turned, returned home with her daughter. Right. Luckily, he said the daughter was asleep and she was carrying her, so she didn't get to see the scene. But it was pretty graphic with blood all over her, on the ceilings and the walls. It was it was 
pretty bad. Yeah, a lot of a lot of flesh everywhere. Mm-hmm. And today, this murder is still unsolved. Still unsolved. They don't know anything about. You know, the four hundred thousand was was on Dino, like we said. Right. And and his relative wife's uncle that was in the mafia. It's almost certain that it was a mafia hit. You know, he he couldn't pay that four hundred thousand back. Right. So you know, somebody had to make an example. Yeah. Now all of this is speculation because it's really hard to find anything on on this. Even as far as the investigation, it's, we haven't found nothing. <laughs> and we've been searching to try to expand on this story because <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. And it's just basically he was shot, and that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I've, I've had a lot of questions, and I've, I've threw some of these questions at you before we started recording. And, you know, every murder case or missing persons case I've ever studied or listened to, you know, it's always somebody they know. Right. You know, that's why there was no struggle. You know, somebody was in the house that knew him that shot him. You know, my, my one question is, how much life insurance did Dino Bravo have on him? Right. You don't know. Did he Did he have it? Did I mean, was his wife ever investigated for this? Don't know that either, but that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it was her uncle right. that was in the mafia. He was the leader. His his nickname was The Egg. <laughs> I mean, if you get a name like The Egg as a mafia leader, you better be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one's a, that's an odd name. You can think of it as being a, a pretty big guy, but in pictures he didn't look like he was a, a big round guy or anything, so I don't know where the name come from. But if you're going to be called the egg, you, there ain't nobody going to mess with you. Yeah, we're going to post pictures of him, of the egg, on our Facebook and all our social media accounts and stuff. So you know, make sure everybody checks that out. But, you know, I just wonder if his wife was ever investigated. If, if you would think so. ever looked at taking a polygraph or anything i've never i haven't found anything on no, that no we've searched a lot both of us separately and together mm-hmm. <clears throat> trying to find more to this story and it, and it just pretty much stops there and i don't know if it's because it's a canadian thing mm-hmm. or yeah i don't know what happened to him but i'd like to know if you know if she was ever investigated right i'd like to know a lot about the investigation yeah but you, you look at this and you look it up and re- read about it there's nothing on it there's Nothing we can find. If you can find something, please let us know. Yeah, if anybody out there knows <clears throat> anything about what happened to Dino Bravo, yeah, let us know. It's pretty sad, actually. Do you have any more thoughts on what could have happened to him as far as, you know, we're almost 99% sure it was a mafia hit, but. <laughs> I mean, it, it, would, it would have to be. Even if somebody broke in his house, they're not going to shoot him 17 times and put a smiley face in the back of his head. No, that's definitely a mafia it's a, trademark. It's, a, it's an example, and it's, it's just – and that is also hearsay. Nobody – I haven't seen any pictures or anything, so that's just what another information we got from somewhere else. So I can't say for sure that he had a smiley face in his head, but that was one thing that we did here. Mm-hmm. But it is it is uh, reported that he was shot 17 times. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, and seven in the head. Smiley face. At least. Wow. So, yeah. Did we miss anything on this case, you think? No, I don't think so. If we did, I'm sure somebody will let us know. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, we'll post pictures of all this on our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, everything. If anybody, really, if anybody has any thoughts or comments on Dino Bravo and his mysterious murder, let us know. We will be... We would love to hear it. Yeah, sure would. And we're really interested in uh, the aftermath of this, but it's just almost impossible to find anything about it. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Dale, before we close this episode out, do we have any shout-outs to give anybody this week? Shout-out to uh, Meredith from uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. Big fan. We had a message from this week, and uh, we'd just like to shout-out to her. I sent her out a few stickers and a magnet for her fridge, and hope she uh, likes that, and appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Tell everybody about us. Tell all your friends. Tell your neighbors and your cousins about us. We we appreciate our fans, for and sure. your cousin's neighbors and your uncle uncle aunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right dale anything else before we close out today no i think that's a pretty good one i'm glad to be back and get one under our belt and be ready to rock that's it all right guys we want everyone to be safe be careful and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you this is the crack, crack house chronicles, chronicles.